Who am I? You sure you want to know? The story of my life is not for the faint of heart. If somebody said it was a happy little tale, somebody lied. I will never forget these words. With great power comes great responsibility. Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. Welcome to Now Playing's Amazing Spider-Man Retrospective Series. Can Spider-Man come out to play? Part of the Now Playing Marvel Comic Movie Series. The real crime would be not to finish what we started. Hosted by Stuart. We have a gift. You always have. Arnie. It's in his blood. And Jacob. You ever see Lost Boys? Story of my life. Ooh, my spider sense is tingling. If you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but if your spider sense is tingling, it's because this podcast will have detailed plot spoilers and mild language. So listener discretion is advised. We're gonna have a hell of a time. Go get him, tiger. Today we're discussing Morbius, starring Jared Leto, Matt Smith, Adria Arjona, Jared Harris, Al Madrigal, and, must not forget the and, Tyrese Gibson, directed by Daniel Espinoza. We are Venom. Just kidding. Arnie, co-host of Now Playing at your service. <laughs> and Stuart. And this is the fifth Milo of Now Playing, but you could call me Jacob. And man, like, how can we top No Way Home? Like, Spider-Man, biggest character in the universe right now, and this should do a great job of torpedoing all of that goodwill. <laughs> I mean, No Way Home, I haven't seen this many release dates since New Mutants, and we know how well that turned out. <laughs> Try and tell people this is a sequel to the MCU Tom Holland Spider-Man. This is supposed to have come out beforehand, so that leaves a lot of questions a whole lot of questions yeah this should have come out in 1997 with wesley snipes <laughs> <laughs> only because wesley would have staked jared leto i always thought there was some pathos missing from no way home and it's because this didn't come out first this would have really given that the emotional kick it needed okay i gotta start where i know arnie you will be able to give me some knowledge spider-man has a vampire friend a vampire enemy when did this happen? In the 70s, of course. This is a living <laughs> vampire, a Spider-Man bad guy named Morbius. And I thought because, yeah, he's a living vampire. Basically, like, if Batman was invented later, I think this is what Batman would be. Like, bitten by a radioactive bat, more or less. <laughs> like, science experiment, now I have bat powers. But I always thought that this conceit of a living vampire, that it was done through science and he wasn't a traditional vampire, was because of the comics code, which banned, like, gangsters, you couldn't have law enforcement getting hurt, drug use was outlawed, and, yeah, supernatural creatures like vampires and werewolves could not be in comic books. So I thought this is how they got around it, but it's actually because they loosened up the comics code in the 70s and said, oh, okay, you could have traditional literary horror creatures. And so, yeah, they finally got to bring a vampire in, even before Blade. So that's not why... He's a living vampire? Because I always thought he was a living vampire because they couldn't do vampire vampires. Yeah, I was right there with you, but apparently that 
that's not the case. You know, it, it's Marvel. Morbius is really tied in with Kurt Connor, the lizard. Like, we know how great that villain was in Spider-Man. But Spider-Man, the lizard, the vulture, the rhino. It's just a bunch of people getting animal DNA in them and, and turning into weird creatures. So Morbius, the living vampire, he got messed around with, with that bat DNA. Well, you say the lizard, and that's all that was on my mind is because we saw the lizard and I rewatched Amazing Spider-Man a couple of times this past year for No Way Home, it hit me that it's the exact same origin story, right? I have a problem, be it a genetic disease or I lost my arm in the war, and I'm going to become a physician or a scientist or something where they call me doctor, and research a cure for this so that I can cure myself. I'm going to test it on myself. Oh no, I'm a monster now. I mean, it's the exact same origin story. You are correct. I mean, imagine how much better the Amazing Spider-Man would be if it was just about the lizard. Like, get rid of Spider-Man, get rid of characters we love, and like, (laughs) let's just look at the lizard. (laughs) I mean, he's so low on the totem pole, he wasn't even in Turn Off the Dark. Like, Swiss Miss (laughs) is dancing around. Ain't no vampire on Broadway. Well, and it should be no surprise, like, he kind of moved on from Spider-Man. He was kind of sympathetic, not a total villain, kind of an anti-hero, but of course he went on to, like, be an antagonist for Blade. That's what makes the most sense. Mm, okay. Sorry. Yeah, I was smelling Blade all over this. So, okay, I'm not wrong. Yeah, he, Stephen Norrington actually filmed a scene with Morbius for the end of the first Blade film. He was supposed to be the villain of the second Blade film, but rights happened and no. You mean back in the Wesley Snipes years? Yes. Okay. That's where Stephen Norrington was working, yes. Okay. <laughs> and we'll talk about it, but Jared Leto has said he hopes to work with Mahershala Ali in the new Blade stuff. No, he gets to work with Michael Keaton. (laughs) Here's where I believe love for Morbius comes from. Okay. The 90s Spider-Man cartoons. His Amazing Friends? Nope, that's 80s. In the 90s, it was just called Spider-Man. It had some CGI graphics, and a lot of millennials grew up watching that. You know, X-Men came first and started taking actual comic storylines and adapting them to animation. And so they started doing a whole Fox Saturday morning Marvel block. Spider-Man was probably the second biggest hit from it out of. And they were adapting comic stories and bringing in a whole lot of comic mythology. And they brought in Morbius. But Morbius... You think the comics code was hard? Try being a fox censor. You can't bite people because kids are going to go out and bite <laughs> each other. So now that Morbius has suction cups on his hands. Oh, no. <laughs> Second, you can't drink blood. People like this, you say. People love this. But you can't drink blood. You can't talk about blood. So now he has suction cups on his hand to get Plasma. He needs plasma. Like those places that'll give you 50 bucks down the road. They want your plasma. (laughs) Right. Knocking the junkies out of the way to put his suction cups on a bottle of plasma. Okay. I think that's why Morbius has a following, though, is other than comics diehards, I always loved this character when I was reading Amazing Spider-Man in the 80s. Yeah, I was going to ask you, because you're much more of a Spider-Man fan than I am when it comes to the comics. Like, unless the Punisher or Venom was showing up in a Spider-Man comic, I didn't read them. So I've read maybe one or two comics that have Morbius in them. Frankencastle, when the Punisher turns into a Frankenstein, it's great. And he teams up with Morbius and the other monsters of the Marvel Universe, (laughs) man thing and all that. But I don't remember ever seeing Morbius before that. Like, was he common in Spider-Man comics? I I don't feel like he was used a whole lot. 
like you said, he was a, developed in the 70s, so he's not one of the classics, but he's certainly one of the upper B-tier echelon people. I mean, he's got name recognition. I read quite a few comics that had him in it. I've read his origin story multiple times, and I always kind of liked him because he was a vampire, and Spider-Man versus a vampire was kind of cool, but like you said, he was kind of an anti-hero, much like the lizard, you know, when he was in human form, he wasn't usually that villainous. Sometimes he'd morph back and forth between vampire and human. Sometimes he was stuck in human mode. But I don't know that there's a ton. I d they, of course, to tie into this movie, have given him a solo title because everybody wanted a Morbius solo title. I honestly didn't read that for this, but I did like it when he would team up with others and, you know... I'm pretty sure he did team up with Ghost Rider a couple of times and go up yep. against Blade in the comics a couple of times. And I always liked those kind of Hellspawn <laughs> Marvel villains. Yeah, he should be teaming up. He should not have a solo title. He is not Venom. Like, Venom, people wanted more of that character in the comics. No one wants more Morbius. Come on. But that goes back to my entire thought about the... SSU, the Sony Spider-Man universe. I said this <laughs> when Amazing Spider-Man 2 was wasted to set up a Sinister Six spinoff film. No, you don't do this. In fact, I'm sitting here watching Morbius, and not to spoil my review, but going through my head is all the characters, all the characters they could have picked. You know, if Sony owns all the Spider characters, why don't they make a Spider-Gwen film? Why don't they make a Miles Morales film? Yeah, I, I read, like, IGN, that website, ranked Morbius as the 19th most popular Spider-Man villain. Look, that is not popular then. Like, Spider-Man, like, after Green Goblin and maybe, like, Doc Ock and the Vulture, like, Rhino. Do we want a Rhino solo film? Like, Yeah, I was going to ask where Rhino ranked. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, above this. I'll tell you that. It's above this. <laughs> we don't need solo films for all these characters. No, 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 no. No matter what, Jared Leto can hang his head higher than Paul Giamatti, okay? Nope. I'm not sure that's true. Paul Giamatti knew what kind of movie he was in. Jared Leto does not. I'll say this. Jared Leto as a vampire makes sense. Because has that man aged? He was in a teen soap opera in the early 1990s, and he looks identical now. That must be why they gave him this gig. I looked him up. He's 50 years old, which does not shock me. Again, he's older than me. He's 50? Yeah. But his character in this movie is 35, and I buy it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he is definitely a living undead and making that work. But is there an Oscar winner with a worse career than Jared Leto? I feel like he should be ranking with the Johnny Depps and all of that. Like, he should be getting this kind of respect. And yet, you look at his career, and it's like the Joker nobody liked. And, you know, that fat suit in House of Gucci. <laughs> yes. That's the most recent thing I've seen him in, and that is ridiculous. His whole role in that film is so silly. Yeah, he, he ends up, like, going to these extremes for forgettable films. Did the guy from Life is Beautiful win an Oscar for acting? I uh, I believe so. But I don't, you know what, but he wasn't reputed to be a great actor. Like, Jared Leto gets to be a leading man, and yet... What do people like about him? Like, you know, what movie do they hold up? Even in Fight Club, you forget he's in it. Yeah, I always get him confused with Jake Gyllenhaal as well. But Jake Gyllenhaal, like, has the better movies. Like, when I sit down and actually parse them out, I'm like, okay, one does movies I like and one does, no, trash and, and stuff I just don't care about. Yeah. I'm not saying Jared Leto doesn't have talent. 
And obviously he has an Oscar. I saw Dallas Buyers Club. He was pretty good. But I guess I'm just thinking, like, when is he going to get his real moment? Like, yeah, you won for a little movie barely anyone saw. Is this going to be the thing that you think is going to make you an A-list talent? Given his propensity for method acting and all the stories we heard about him playing Joker in Suicide Squad, like sending used condoms to co-stars and things, I wanted to know how method he got for Morbius. Like, was he sending people dead bats? (laughs) Was he drinking plasma drinks? (laughs) How far did he go? Did he put suction cups on his hands to really (laughs) connect with that cartoon? (laughs) Leto, this has to be offensive. He met with patients with blood diseases and people with bad limps so he could get the affectations down right. Did he make them get out of their bed and like walk? He's like, no, do it again. I must perfect this limp. Do another lap around the hospital. I mean, how can you take it seriously? Why would he go this method for something this stupid? I gotta think the man has material needs, right? (laughs) There's just sometimes you take a job for the paycheck, but I think he talked more about Joker on the press tour than he talked about Morbius because he kept talking about how filling it was when... Zack Snyder called him up to film that end scene for Zack Snyder's Justice League and how it was redeeming to get that makeup put back on and to do all of that. So maybe he loves comics and really gets into these characters. Uh, speaking of Joker, like how much we know, like he was almost totally cut out of that Suicide Squad film. Like how much was he cut out of his own movie here? Right. Like, this is a hundred minutes. That's with credits. So like shorter than that. It definitely feels at times there were long bits of scenes cut out. Like, do we know what this was supposed to be? Will we ever know? Is this what it was supposed to be? I just want to say Daniel Espinosa, the director who finally came in after better names passed. Yeah, who is this guy? I've never heard the name. Have you seen the film Life, that Venom origin story movie? (laughs) Ooh! Ooh! Ouch! Yeah, that's bad. To be fair, he is renowned for a trilogy of Norwegian crime films called Easy Money, not involving Rodney Dangerfield, (laughs) their uh, Joel Kinnaman's star vehicle. I'll say this. I had hope. I mean, I defend Venom. I defend Venom Let There Be Carnage. Yeah, those are fun, enjoyable. They're not deep movies, but like they're breezy fun films. Exactly. And I thought Jared Leto as Morbius, a character I liked, a vampire. How simple is that of a concept to work with anymore? You don't have to be unique. You just have to have a little bit of fun. But as I sat down in a nearly empty theater to watch this movie, (laughs) it did occur to me I had no idea what the story was going to be. All the trailers have focused on is Jared Leto turns into a vampire. And I'm like, but who's the bad guy? What's going on beyond a transformation story here? What is it that got me into the seats other than a Marvel logo? And I didn't know. Mm. Yeah, having to do this for now playing, like, I saw the trailers, I wasn't interested, but I, thanks to a a lot of the people in our now playing listeners group on Facebook, like, I went in this, like, ready to defend it, because people were saying, worst Marvel film, like, Jared Leto was in the worst DC film, the worst Marvel film, I'm like, can't be that bad, like, it's probably gonna be around a Venom level, like, Kind of a corny, cheesy, throwback 90s superhero film. I like, I thought there would be something fun there. They've never seen Jonah Hex. Right there. Did- yeah, I mean, Suicide Squad is not the worst DC no, film by far. Not by a <laughs> long shot. 
Yeah. Are we talking about like the big official ones or like the like Roger Corman obscurity things? Like, I mean, the Superman four, the quest for peace, Jonah Hex, they're way worse. <laughs> yeah. Those people haven't done what we've done. They didn't get down into the crevices. <laughs> I, I, hey, Justice League is worse than Suicide Squad in the end, you know? And I don't remember Jared Leto being in that. No. <laughs> Except for Snyder's version. Maybe that's what the meme refers to, and I need to apologize. <laughs> That won an Oscar or something. <laughs> Hashtag. Best scene from a movie or something, I think, is what they, when the Flash ran. An army of dead? Fan favorite? Something. Oof. I want to drink the plasma of some fans now. <laughs> but you know what? Am I going to come into this looking excited? No. I was dreading this from the first trailer. This looked like a very bad film. And I think the whole idea of making Spider-Man movies without Spider-Man is really stupid. So uh, I have no optimism for this whatsoever. I slunk into a late night show Thursday night. And yes, barely anyone there. I was tempted... I do not drink when I'm reviewing <laughs> movies, but they were offering, AMC has a Vampire's Thirst Blue Alcoholic Beverage, which I will just go ahead and say, get 10. If you're going to see this this weekend, load up. Drink up before the credits even start rolling, like be drunk for that first frame. That's the best way to enjoy this one, I'm sure. Pound them like you're in the sequel to Leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> I guess we know where this is going. <laughs> I mean, it was only going to go here. I'm not going to buy this premise of, oh, I had hope. I had optimism. It looked bad from the word jump. And guess what? It is. I had hope because that Venom trailer didn't look so great either for that first Venom film. And it, it's a bad movie. You guys are crazy to say Venom is a good movie. But we'll just go ahead and get into it because I will say Venom is a better movie than this. <laughs> Give them the plot. Jared Leto is Dr. Michael Morbius, who suffers from a rare blood disease that weakens him and will soon end his life. Aided by his girlfriend, Martine Bancroft, played by Adria Arjona, he has devoted that life to finding a cure for himself and his best friend Lucian, who Michael calls Milo, played by Matt Smith. A movie that cares so little, we're just going to slap the name Milo on a game. <laughs> we never really even get a last name. You you know what bullshit is? Trying to write, to differentiate in the dark in my notes. <laughs> Morbius, Milo, and Martine. Like, usually I just write the, the first initial. I can't do that with this, because they're all M's. <laughs> By merging the DNA of a vampire bat with a human, Morbius cures his disease, but it has severe side effects. In addition to giving him a terrible complexion and fingernails, he must feed on blood to keep his strength. If too much time passes without blood, he becomes weak again, and presumably will eventually die. But maybe not. <laughs> How's the rat doing? We never even find out. <laughs> Morbius makes do by drinking a synthetic blood of his own making, but its effectiveness lessens with each dose, and when that happens, he'll need real blood. This vampirism has some plus sides, though. Morbius has superhuman strength and speed, and he's even able to fly. Milo begs Morbius to share the cure, but due to the side effects, Morbius refuses. So Milo steals the cure and uses it, and, unlike Morbius, Milo has no compunction about killing random people to feed on blood. He kills cops and nurses and more, but FBI agents Rodriguez, played by Al Madrigal, and Stroud, played by Tyrese Gibson, think Morbius is the killer. 
Morbius steals an underground lab from a gang of counterfeiters, because that's identical to a medical lab. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't wait to get to that laminating machine. I, I lost it. And of course, it's in the sewer. Yes. Oh. In that lab, he develops a serum that will kill him. He fills two syringes of it, one for himself and one for Milo. Milo kills Martine, who begs Morbius to feed on her and get the strength needed to fight Milo. This movie. <laughs> the more you repeat it, oh, I don't want to remember. Milo and Morbius fight, and Morbius wins, killing Milo with a syringe. And we cut back to Martine, who opens her eyes. Alive? Undead? A vampire? We will never know, as credits roll. To a scene of Adrian Toomes, also known as the Vulture from Spider-Man Homecoming, played by Michael Keaton. He's transported into Morbius's cinematic universe as a result of Doctor Strange's spell at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. Now that he's there, Toomes suits up in his flight gear and meets up with Morbius, saying the two should team up to do some good as credits roll. And to start, let's just say, while the opening scene is straight out of the trailer... Most of what's in the trailer isn't in this movie. There were so many connections people were making. First of all, in the very first trailer, we saw Michael Keaton. He's the end credit scene, and the scene we saw him in in that trailer isn't in this movie, where he says, what's up, Doc? And all of the graffiti of Spider-Man in the background, the Oscorp building, none of that is in this movie. Anything that made Spider-Man No Way Home fans excited to see this movie has been cut out or CGI scrubbed. Yeah, you, but you mean they misled people into wanting to see a movie like this? Yes, they did. <laughs> I mean, who's the genius? When we get started, we see this helicopter blowing into Costa Rica. I presume they're doing this just because it'll let us know they didn't do this bad experience in China, right? Like, who's the <laughs> genius that after two years of a pandemic says, let's have the hero fiddling with bat DNA? Genius, right? We really want to root for that guy. This movie was supposed to come out before COVID, so... Oops! <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> so you just scrap it, right? You just don't even release this movie. Like that already, <laughs> dead in the water. You've killed millions, but okay, great. Good job. Keep working on the bat DNA. I thought, though, that this really meant something because it's Cero de la Muerte. And I don't know what Cero is off the top of my head, but I know de la Muerte means of the dead. And so I'm looking it up. It turns out this is a real place. Mountain of death. There is a Cero de la Muerte, and it's just a mountain range in Costa Rica. Look, I'm not an expert on bats. I do watch on YouTube. There is a Australian woman who like rescues bats that like fly into a wall in the city and she'll rehabilitate them. And these are vampire bats, which are small. They're like micro bats, but bats, they're drawn to his blood. Is that what we're being told? Like they could smell it or something. I don't think that's a bat thing in reality. I actually liked the opening shot, though, because we see this helicopter coming in, and then we have this long tracking shot down a waterfall into a cave, and then we turn right and go out of the cave and see the helicopter landing, and I'm like, if nothing else, this movie's gonna have an impressive visual style. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's just this one shot. <laughs> well, I'm confused because that helicopter is carrying like a cage or something. So I'm like, 
oh, this is an animal they're going to experiment. I guess this cage was just to capture these bats. Like, just go in and capture them. I don't know why this elaborate ruse. I don't know why the doctor needs to go down there and personally <laughs> vet the vampire bats he's going to use for the DNA strains. But it's even more bizarre. He's like, set the trap by the mouth of the cage and then, like, the bats all fly out and, like, it doesn't catch any of them. Like, it just, like, beats up on the entire chopper. Like, I'm like, well, that was a bad trap. I know. I felt bad. I'm like, are they getting chopped up by the rotors in the helicopter? I felt awful. Here's what I thought. And I thought this movie from the trailer was going to be pretty self-explanatory. You start with sick Morbius, right? You give him 20 minutes of researching this disease that he has and you play him up as a human. And then he discovers some mystical way to cure himself. He's going to fly to Costa Rica. We see the scene in the trailer where he puts up the bloody hand and the bats come. And that's the transformation. Because we also saw in the trailer a scene of him on a boat killing people. So this is him coming back from wherever the bats were via boat. You got a very Dracula situation of a vampire on a seafaring vessel killing people. And then he gets to America and he has to be a hero. I thought you just can't get more simple than a by the numbers Dracula ripoff. But that's not at all how this goes. No, this movie is even simpler than that. Like, this is Mad Libs for comic book movies. It's like, here is the most basic script and write in whatever character you bought the rights to. First of all, he's doing pretty well for dying from a disease that he's had. <laughs> he's 50 years old. He's 35. Okay. What year does this movie take place in that Casio watch that he's using the whole time? Like, is this in the 90s? <laughs> Doesn't Sony make watches? Sony prides itself on how many product placements they can put in their own movies. No smartwatches in this. <laughs> yeah, I think they just want you to remember that he's the one that wears the Casio watch. Because later, when he's jumping around in vampire form, you might get confused about who's who. But yeah, okay, so he's had an unknown blood disorder in Greece... For 25, 35 years, you're telling me. He lived in Greece and had an unknown blood disorder. I don't know that just it was unknown in Greece. Is he the only one that has it? Like, they bring in one other boy that he won't even ever, like, acknowledge as anyone other than Milo. I think they just die, don't they? Like, they just keep dying and he keeps calling him Milo. Yeah, that's what he says. Oh, it's it's a new Milo every week. It's worth pointing out that, yes, he's suffering the same thing he did as a child and has not died. He does not invent the cure. He does do some shenanigans with a ballpoint pen and MacGyver's, like, a blood processing machine. Morbius is a mechanical and medical genius, apparently. A medical equipment piece goes down. I guess they need blood transfusions or something. They say they have to change their oil three times a day. My sister had Guillain-Barre syndrome and they had to like do this thing where they drain all the blood out of her body to filter it and put it back into her body. So I'm guessing they're doing something like this, but Milo's machine breaks and it looks like a fuse just went out. I mean, that's what that little thing that they take out of there is. It's a fuse. And he uses a spring to fix a fuse? They look alike. <laughs> the fuse is to connect to parts and transfer electricity, but also to make sure it doesn't overload. Theoretically, you could use a different conductor that would be not as protective and could fry the machinery. I don't know if a spring and a ballpoint pen has enough 
conductivity to do that but you know what it's one of the more plausible things in this movie yeah but it's not one of the more creative things this feels so by the numbers like i feel like i've seen all of this many many times before like okay we're gonna have the hero of the story as a kid like do something that's gonna be a trait he has later on because they gotta set up that laminator blood transfusion device later on with this ballpoint pen thing but right off the bat i'm like oh i've seen all this when are we gonna get to something new or something creative or at least something as pleasurable as Tom Hardy jumping into a lobster tank. Matt Smith is going to do some dances later on. I guess that's as close as we'll get. Right. So, again, I thought that these boys were here because there was nowhere else to treat them for whatever condition they have. But all of a sudden, Jared Harris is like, you should go to New York and go to gifted school. Yeah. And yeah, here's a scholarship. He, like, goes and invents <laughs> artificial blood that, again, I'm not sure that that's what he uses to keep himself alive. There's just no clear line between he invents something that saves him and Milo and why they're still sick 25 years later. Well, if he's researching blood diseases and he has to, like, take blood transfusions three times a day, I could go with on the route to finding a cure, he found a synthetic blood that would change everything. I mean, they say in the movie that it would save more life than penicillin. No, I get that. I'm saying, why is he still alive? Yes, you're making side medical advances, but you're dead because this thing kills Milo's every week. These two are the luckiest two Milos that have ever existed of this rare disease, but they're both on the verge of death. They're going to die soon. On the verge 25 years later. Yeah, decades later. <laughs> yeah, this is so bad. This is just bad. It's so bad that, like, Milo is able to become a very successful lawyer and Morbius a very successful doctor. Like, yeah. Wait, wait, Milo's a lawyer? I assume he's got his money somehow. He shows up in the prison as a lawyer later on. Maybe that's just a ruse. Oh, yeah, but they say he never finished law school. Okay, well, how'd he get all his money? You just had rich parents? Jared Harris, as this Grecian specialist, I thought had all the money because he adopts Milo or Lucius or whatever you're going to call them. Is he the one that's the secret donor to all of Morbius's work? I thought that was Milo was the one funding all the research. What gets said later is that Milo has been gambling against Russian mobsters that are trying to hurt him or something. So I assume he got all his money through illicit means. That he's just that good at craps or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's move on. And this Milo guy, they say his name is Lucius. And like I said, I didn't know who the bad guy was. But the moment you introduce somebody named Lucius. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yep. that's close to Lucifer. We've been reviewing Harry Potter with <laughs> Lucius Malfoy. I'm like, okay, so this is the bad guy. Yeah. And if you don't pick it up from his name, like later on, Morbius is going to leave whatever that caretaker place is. And Milo's going to get picked on for some reason because of this letter. And he's going to get mad and he's going to beat up one of the kids. I'm like, Oh, that's telling us he's our bad guy. He can't control that rage. He was being picked on. He's a person with a disability being bullied by multiple boys. Like, let him get some punches in. I'm not going to hold that against him. No, I mean, he was being kicked while he was down. He's a dying kid. I was on Lucius's side. But this is a character from the comics. I had to look him up. Do you know this character, Jacob? Yeah, kind of a character. Yeah, there is another living vampire. And yeah, that goes against Morbius. Like, they've changed some things here. But yeah, it's based on in the comics this is a hydra agent yep who became a vampire 
who is named Hunger. Now, this was after my time. This was in the late 90s. Yeah. And I didn't read very many comics in the late 90s. At, nobody did. They were not very good in the late 90s. <laughs> but I would have actually loved it if we had some Hydra agent red skull worshiping dude turn into a vampire <laughs> instead they just take the name and i don't even think it's lucius in the comics it's loxius yeah but yeah that's as close as we get in venom at least like venoms they were all a race of aliens so it made sense like you're gonna have riot and venom and carnage later like here we're just gonna have a bunch of crippled kids becoming vampires <laughs> like that is weird <laughs> we get matt smith here who i don't really know from anything. I never watched. I just know he's a Doctor Who. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, I never watched him in Doctor Who. But you've seen him. Like, I don't watch Doctor Who, but I recognized him as one of the Doctors. Yeah, I think the only thing I've ever seen him in is Terminator Genesis. <laughs> yeah. His career outside of England has not been spectacular. I was more confused. Okay, so we have these kids. We're supposed to believe it's a meaningful relationship, and it's, what, all of three days, and I fixed your blood clotting machine, and I'm away to America. Like, they have, like, barely any time together, but he's going to send origami letters saying how great of friends and how I'm going to save your life and invent something. And then we jump in time and we see them as adults. And I tell you what, I did not get it. I was like, wow, this is so progressive. We have Jared Leto and Matt Smith walking down the street and he keeps saying, my love, my love. And they go and lounge in Central Park and all that together. I'm like, damn, we were making such a big deal about the eternal scene. I'm like, this is really putting gay love out there. Wow, good for them. I mean, I'm, I'm there with you, Stuart, not because I misunderstood the name Milo, but I definitely got vibes that they were a thing. Yeah, it was there. The, the fact that Milo was getting beat up for a letter as a kid from another boy, and it seems like Milo's super jealous of Martine. I'm like, there is like a love triangle going on here. Again, with him saying my love so many times, I was like, okay, well, this is just what it is. And then later, I finally heard, oh, Milo, wait, you mean that's the kid that beat up the other kid? with the crutches like okay so a lot of confusion meanwhile i'm just confused they're in new york most of this movie is going to take place in nondescript buildings and i'm like they're on some big lot i thought that maybe they were at pinewood or something i'm like this is not being shot in new york and i stayed through the end credits to see if there was a thing it was filmed in Pinewood. I got it right. I was just guessing <laughs> that these big empty sets were Pinewood. They sure as hell were. But I guess they went to New York for a day of outside shooting in Central Park. No one wants to be in this. Like, like New York's Alan Smithying this. Like, we're not here. <laughs> Nobody involved wants to say their name. My name is uh, Milo. I'm not going to tell you the real one. But, like, they make this big deal about Morbius rejecting the Swedish king's prize. Like, doesn't he need that research money? Like, I don't even understand. Wasn't it the Nobel Prize? Yeah, I would think so. You get a million bucks for that, which right. isn't, is nothing these days. But if you're trying to solve, like, an incurable disease, every penny helps. Yeah, I don't know why you would go there. Like, physically fly there so you could tell everyone F off. And then they don't even show the scene because, of course, nope. it would look so <laughs> awkward and rude that we wouldn't like him. But we're supposed to like him because he's telling big money. Again, like, they're trying what they can, I think, to say that bat researchers are cool in 2022. 
Are they trying? Because you talk about that scene of Morbius and Milo walking down New York. I'm like, okay, this is a character moment. Here's like Jared Leto. I assume he's a real actor. Like I always, maybe I just give him more credit than he actually deserves. But I think of Jared Leto being a credible actor, but I'm like, I'm getting nothing from these characters. There's no personality here. Why does he turn down this? Like, yeah, he flies out there and then turns it down. I'm just confused. They are confusing me now. And that's not fun in a Morbius movie, at least. I understand. Like, if I'm watching David Lynch, I'm supposed to be confused. I should not be confused in this film. No. No. But, hey, I'm looking for my jollies where I can get them. And you see the headline that he turned down the Nobel in a Daily Bugle. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, I noticed the Daily Bugle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's in-universe, supposedly. But, again, is anyone getting any MCU vibes on this at all? Like, it feels like if you cut out the last five minutes of this movie, like, you'd never know it was connected to Spider-Man. Other than the Daily Bugle showing up a few times, no, I would have no clue. I'll I'll tell you this, Sony wants you to know the TikTok account they made to promote Spider-Man No Way Home is now promoting Morbius. Okay. I will continue to ignore it. It's a Daily Bugle TikTok. Another reason to stay off TikTok. (laughs) So anyway, this is where we kind of figure out, okay, the bats that he got in Costa Rica are now in this big glass tube, like flooding around, banging their heads. Like he couldn't even give them a fake cave. Seems really mean. Nothing to hang (laughs) off of. I was really concerned about the welfare of those bats flying around. I'm like, (laughs) they're getting hurt. Like, they don't have room. But also, look, I understand this was supposed to come out years ago. But the fact this is coming out a few weeks after Batman, who's known of just standing there as bats fly around him. I think it was actually the Christian Bale Batman that had a moment like this. But I'm just thinking of Batman. I'm just thinking of better movies. And it's always bad when a bad movie reminds you that there's better movies I could be watching. Jacob, there's more to it than that. The score of this movie is the score for The Dark Knight. I mean, if you listen to this music, it's like that bum, bum. Yes. Just throughout this whole movie, it's like, I can't believe that they're stealing Batman's music. Yeah, well, again, I think they want it. I think they want this to be Marvel's Batman, and that seems to be the gloominess. What you're saying is, why doesn't this feel funny like Tom Hardy did in Venom? And the answer is because they're going for a totally different romantic, gothic, vampire, sexy vibe. We're not supposed to be laughing. We are, but, but we're not supposed to be. But every once in a while, they're going to try to do a joke. They're going to have, like, a, a Hulk line come out. You wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. and But none of it works. Like, that does feel out of place. Either go with that gothic vibe and really lean into it or make it a goofy... You know, Marvel, the MCU, it's known for being lighthearted and funny and having those moments and, like, put more of those in there if this gothic stuff is not going to work. They're very little laugh uh, I agree. I didn't even recognize that as a Hulk line. So, like, to the average person, they're not even going to see those as insider jokes. It's like a Hulk line two degrees removed because it's like, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. But this is, you wouldn't like me when I'm hungry, which is what was misspoken by... Edward Norton when he was speaking bad Portuguese at the beginning of The Incredible Hulk. Wow, you're going deep. Oh, wow, yeah, that's a whole other layer that I did not get. It just sounded to me like a Snickers commercial. I was just like, that's a weird line to say. <laughs> you're waiting for Betty White. Or she's, yeah. She was alive when this was ready to come out in theaters. Like, yeah. <laughs> at any rate, let's focus at the task at hand, which is that he got all these bats because what I heard he said is bats drink blood Thus, they have an anticoagulant in their saliva, leading me to believe that the blood disease he has means he clots. 
That's the problem. So if he puts vampire bat DNA into himself, then inject a rat that doesn't have any of these problems. <laughs> it's going to come back from the dead and he's going to go Eureka. An anticoagulation, like, so he wants hemophilia? Like, I don't understand the leaps. Like, look, all they got to say is bats, blood, DNA, science. Like, it all works in a very 70s comic book way. I wish they would have just stuck to that and tried to make this realistic because it's silly. DNA manipulation is the new radiation, right? That's how everybody's going to get their powers and right. just this gene splicing evil. CRISPR is the thing to do. But and, and I'm not even against that. Although, again, I think that, you know, there is some audience bias about seeing bats being experimented <laughs> on that way after COVID. And I don't know why then they inject a rat. It comes back from the dead. I just want to underline this. It comes back from the dead and then they never, like, watch its progress for the rest of the time. Like, don't you want to know what, like, happens to it? I was waiting for the rat to need blood to eat. Right. I was literally waiting for, like, fangs to come right. out of the white mouse. Little cape or something. <laughs> so being a fan of, of the DC comic book universe, like, there is a character in the Batman villain gallery called Mad Bat, who was a scientist who, yeah, injected himself with bat stuff, and he grew giant wings and, like, becomes a giant bat. He scared the hell out of me as a kid. And I was waiting for that lab rat to, like, grow wings or something. Like, that rat does not show any signs of vampire bats or anything like Morbius is going to have later. <laughs> With talking about the mouse, I think we're going to talk about Batmite. Batmite's a, from the fifth dimension. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> You're losing me here, but I take it to mean that there's a rich lore in comics involving bat mutations that I can look forward to in future sequels. <laughs> Hopefully they won't be made. I just want to point out, we have like a kid here named Anna. What was the point of this? Who I don't think ever becomes important. I thought like she would be the test subject that like went bad or something like that. Like she's seizing. She clearly needs help. And so you just do this on a pinch and you think you've helped her and then she gets worse. Right? Yeah, that's what I thought. Why have this character? Why have this relationship? Just so Morbius could like look back at his lab and she's healing and see the rats alive too. <laughs> like, yeah, that was bizarre. This is bad. Very bad. But what got me is I didn't think they realized the mouse came back from the dead. They never like checked the mouse's pulse. The mouse just kind of fell over. I think they thought he passed out and then, oh no, he was fine all along. No, no, they took it as dead, and then they had to go save this girl all of a sudden. All I know is that, that this gives them the inspiration to go jump on a boat with smugglers, <laughs> like ride 50 feet outside a Long Island so they can say we're in international waters, and then this is where he's going to inject himself and become the living vampire. All right, this boat story, because he's going to do illegal testing on himself— Unlike every other comic book movie where they just do the illegal testing on themselves in their own lab. Right. He's actually going to go into international waters with a bunch of goons. Now, are these Milo's bodyguards? Because remember, Milo had bodyguards because he had the Russians coming after him. They call them mercenaries. Who are these mercenaries? They are people 
that can be killed that we're not going to hold against Morbius. Right. We're not going to feel bad about <laughs> these victims. Because first of all, Morbius is already doing illegal research in his lab mm-hmm. on the mainland. He doesn't got to go to international seas. I guess because this is his origin in the comics that he attacked these men on a boat and then disappeared and they're drained of blood and he felt bad about it. Like, they've got to justify that for some reason. I, no, you don't. Just do something better. Don't do this. Like, <laughs> But I, yeah, I feel like every time Morbius gets the hunger for a human, it has to be the worst human being like I, I got really confused later when he's gonna go after some counterfeiters I'm like he's gonna kill them because they try to pass a hundred dollar bill that's fake <laughs> like I'm supposed to side with him on this yeah I agree isn't that why George Floyd like got arrested like yeah yeah, yes, I, that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking exactly yeah. okay what I was well thinking. let's hold it we're not there yet we're here at the important pivotal moment where he goes from being sickly human to super strong whatever and because they're on a boat did they forget the anesthesia? Because if you're going to have a spinal tap or something, they're going to at least give you a local. And instead, you've got Martine going along with his illegal, probably fatal experimentation, giving him an injection in the spine, and he is clearly going through a lot of pain. I'm like, they forgot to just numb the area? Right. You're right. They've created some guys that we want to see killed. I don't like when we talked about Assassin's Creed a couple weeks ago. The hero didn't kill somebody. He killed a pimp. These are sexually harassing <laughs> men with guns who are just going to barge in the lab and be like groping Martine all of a sudden. Yeah, because the power flickered. So they're like, we got to go check on the doctor. Yeah. And why did the power flicker? Is, is there something about this experiment that draws from electrical current? I mean, there's machines down there, so I guess they use electricity. I don't know why it flickers. Okay. All right. Anyway, the point is the man is dangling from the rafters now with vampire fangs and claws. We get, like, bullet time? What do we want to call this? (laughs) I called it the Nightcrawler thing because he poofs into, like, smoke and reappears in different locations. It's definitely bullet time. I mean, there are times when he will look at bullets passing him. Yes. So it's bullet time. But it's also like he's made of paint and like watercolor is smearing off of his body. (laughs) Yeah, the stink lines are what I don't understand. Like there's this this hazy stink, like what you would draw on pig pen is like he's leaping around. I'm like, this is not making you look cool. And also like, does every Spider-Man villain have a weakness to noise, which never comes back in this film. Like these sirens <laughs> go off. Morbius is going crazy. I'm assuming they're confusing like echolocation with him being sensitive to sound. None of this makes sense. None of this. Mm-mm. Look, I know it's not supposed to be scientific, but at least do something true to bats. But he's going crazy from sound. I'm like, oh, so that's, he's going to use sound to defeat second Morbius at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so much is confusing, but at this point, I'm thinking he's like Daredevil, who can use sound to sense space, and thus, if loud noises will hurt him, like Venom, maybe when those two team up, all you have to do is wail a siren, and both are on their knees, but this is the Dracula moment I was getting from the trailer, though, is where Dracula was feeding on the people in the sea, the difference is, these people are just a few miles off Long Island. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And the boat is named the Murnau, which was the director of Nosferatu. So they're trying to draw on that Dracula legacy. Again, it seems to be a hard right turn away from the comedy of Venom. They're wanting this to play somewhat as horror. I do believe we are to take all of these scenes straight. 
but then immediately they're going to remind you of Venom because we're going to introduce two FBI agents, Tyrese and the other one is how I have them in my notes. And they're going to be like, this is the weirdest thing since San Francisco, which is Venom. That felt like second unit stuff though, right? Like they filmed all of those guys scenes later when they realized they needed to throw away most of the movie and piece it together. <laughs> Well, here's the weird thing for me. You say Tyrese and the other guy. I know Al Madrigal. He's a stand-up comic. I've seen his stuff. He's pretty funny. Kind of does this low-key type of humor, like, but always very funny punchlines. I did not realize this was Tyrese Gibson until about halfway through the film because Tyrese Gibson, I might not like a lot of his jokes in the Fast and the Furious films, but he's got presence. He's always saying jokes. And so you got a stand-up comedian and Tyrese Gibson, no jokes, like so flat. Like they'll try to do some jokes later, but I was shocked. Like, again, if you're going to try to find that humor that people enjoy in the MCU, even though this is, what do you call it? The SSU or whatever. Like you would get it through these guys, but even Tyrese is deadpan in this. Oh, Here's what I honestly believe. There is a line later in the movie where Madrigal says to Tyrese, I'll go ask this person so you don't have to walk. And I'm thinking, <laughs> this is Tyrese on the set. Tyrese is not walking. Tyrese is not emoting. Tyrese is deigning to be there. Because if you watch Tyrese in this movie, he barely does shit. Everything is being done by Madrigal. Right. Yeah. This is a man that flew into space in a hot rod, and he's too embarrassed to do more. Morbius. Anyway, we have the what should be the fun discovery of power stuff that Morbius has grabbed the two vials. I guess this is the only vampire making serum left and he never wants to make any more. So he jumps off the boat and swims back to his lab and we see that, yes, he can do the echolocation that bats do. Kind of looks like radiating, like, special effects lines that come out of him. And he can catch balls without looking. He's got, <laughs> what? Or I guess he can leap up onto, like, the light fixture. Yeah, he could jump really far. I can't wait till we get to the flying scene in the subway. I lost my shit over that moment. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll have to talk about that. There's this supernatural wind that he can kind of catch a wave on. <laughs> I don't understand it, but it's ridiculous looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, did his bones become hollow like a bat <laughs> so that he can fly? But this is where he learns he has to drink blood. As he's walking around his office, he starts to get weak again, and something takes him into the blood bank. He doesn't need fresh blood. You know, he can go to a blood bank. Yeah, but that's because they want him to be nice, right? Milo will want the real red stuff, and he can drink the Capri Sun. You know, like, it's, it's no big deal. Is this the matrix between the red and the blue? That's all I was thinking of is like, <laughs> are you going to take the red blood or can you take the blue blood? It's Hollywood liberalism. <laughs> See how they slip it in there? <laughs> the red states are all the carnivores that are killing and happy about it. And the blue is like, it's it's practically vegan blood. Another woke Hollywood <laughs> film. Go woke, go broke. It's too woke. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, it, it, even this doesn't make sense because then he's like, it doesn't seem to be working. You'd think he'd want to keep drinking artificial blood. It's artificial after all. No one's being harmed. But then he decides to go on some abstinence, you know, like he locks himself in a glass room and like is dying. He's a scientist. He's, he's timing how long he's going to go before he gets that hunger. Like my thing was, I thought he turned into, because his face will turn all gruesome, more vampiric. I thought that's like when he needed to feed right. when the blood wore off. Right. He just says he'll die when the blood wears off if he doesn't feed again. So I don't know, understand what the transformation is for. 
Except later on, he creates the serum to commit suicide with. So, is he going to die if he doesn't feed? Or is he just going to live an eternal, miserable existence of pain if he doesn't feed? He says he'll eventually die. At the box office. (laughs) What they're trying to tell us here in the beginning is this is a way of staving off the fangs and the talons. That if I drink blood, then I won't turn into the vampire... But later we'll find out he'll do that anyway, and the blood actually gives him the strength to to be the cool vampire, so... Yeah, this is like spinach to Popeye. You have to have the blood if you want to do the cool shit. Maybe. But then, like, he's lying there. I love this. Milo breaks in. Rather than just saying, could you go get me some blood or unlock the door, he's writing the word blood in blood. I'm like, that seems like a (laughs) waste. (laughs) Why don't you drink that? I think he literally couldn't speak. He couldn't walk. Then don't write in blood. Drink the blood. (laughs) But this is how Milo figures out he's okay now, and Milo wants the cure. Yeah, I figured that out way at the beginning when we first met Milo. He's going to be bad vampire. They're going to drag this out and try to make it a mystery, make us think Morbius is still killing people. Oh, it's so bad. Like, get to the point. We understand how origin stories work in 2022 or 2019 even when this was supposed to come out. Don't do this basic origin story. Like, that's what's killing me is like, I know every plot point that's going to come next because I've seen this film a million times. Yeah, they try to do a fool ya thing because the next kill is this nurse that is wandering around uh, the Horizon building after hours. It's a hospital, I thought, so I don't know why, like, there wouldn't be anyone there. (laughs) Like, do they not have security cameras in the hospital? Like, they're going to have a fight in a subway and these damn FBI agents, not till the very end of the film, are they going to go, hey, let's look at security footage. I'm like, there's been security footage for the last hour. Why didn't you watch it then to find out there's two vampires? Right. Or the hundreds of witnesses that are watching vampires fly around in the subways. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> anyway, the point is this nurse, Kristen Sutton, is the prey of a vampire. She gets bit on the neck. We're supposed to think that this is Morbius losing control again. He said he wasn't going to kill again, and now he's hurt an innocent woman, a health giver. You know, like, this is supposed to be a blight on him, and we're supposed to be happy he's going to jail. But I think we all know Matt Smith looked at that vial that he would have taken this. Yeah, at one point when the FBI is interrogating him, they're like, why'd you do it? And Morbius is like, I can't answer that. Yeah, because you want us to still think you did it. Like, you would say, no, I didn't do it. Like, yes, But they correct. want us, like, they think the audience is dumb enough to not know that Milo is also a vampire and that this is still fooling us. It's not. Even more weird, the cops know he's a vampire. Like, they come to Horizon <laughs> to arrest him. He flies yes. up the stairwell and they're shooting. Why are they shooting at a guy for running away? I mean, they don't Correct. think he did anything. Yeah, I was wondering that too. The head of the company, you got some questions? Okay, you'll get them later. But to, like, shoot at him. <laughs> and then he flies to the roof and Tyrese is already there? Or the wind, like, holds him until Tyrese can get there? <laughs> what I... was that? Yeah, like, does he not know he could fly yet, so he didn't want to jump off the building? I was trying to figure that moment out. I thought he was being blown by the wind. Like, the winds were so high on the rooftops, it was blowing him. And that's when I'm like, is his, are his bones hollow? But I think <laughs> we're supposed to get, that would be, like, the first inkling of him flying. And he almost falls off the building, and that's when Tyrese gets to the top of the stairs, and he's still on the roof. Right. So they arrest him. And again, Jared Leto is thinking, 
I killed this nurse friend and I deserve to be punished and all of this. He thinks he did it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he does. He says something to the effect of maybe I deserve to be here. And the cops are, again, they're getting holy water. They know he's a vampire. <laughs> like, this is just very bizarre to me. And again, this should be funny stuff, like walking in with holy water and all that, with what you would think is a normal universe where vampires don't exist. Like, I get that they don't want humor in this. They want this to be the goth Marvel film, but they're not nailing that. So give me something funny, at least. I honestly do think that that comic, you know, is the one bringing the funny. He's the one bringing the holy water, and he's like, just in case. And I mean, he's trying. Like, I I recognize what he's doing as attempts at humor. I was never laughing, though. Yeah, Tyrese is the straight man, and he's the one that's cutting up. But it's not a very funny act. And again, it's just bizarre to me that they live in a world where they accept that they've arrested a vampire and are trying to get him to admit to uh, biting a nurse. But Milo comes... This is where we had the confusion about, is he a lawyer or not? He just basically, under false pretenses, brings... Why does he do this? He brings blood so that Morbius can have his spinach and escape. Because he still thinks they're friends. Oh yeah, he thinks they're friends, and now he thinks they're both gods who are going to, like, rule as vampire lords over the world. They're the... Okay. Other than Venom, they're the most special people there (laughs) are in this universe. I mean, that's a huge jump, right? Like, to say, like, now we're gonna be vampire gods. Maybe, but this Milo has so much undiscovered backstory how is this sick kid grown up to play cards with russian gangsters and hire mercenaries and all of this yeah i thought we were gonna find out he had already an underground criminal empire or something i mean all bad guys in comic book movies need goons right so i thought he would have some goons and we'd find out he was a criminal to begin with and this is going to enable him to become a better criminal but no instead of being grateful to be alive he's not only that he's gonna feed on nurses and cops and anybody else because now are we supposed to think that because he was bullied now he has the ability to be the bully yes yeah i just couldn't believe that we're gonna have two people with disabilities getting the same powers to fight each other why not jacob this is how every origin story goes as they get the same powers now Because they have the same background, too. Like, what is to differentiate Milo from Morbius? I don't know, because I don't see anything wrong with Milo standing up for himself as a kid, fighting bullies. Like, that's, I think, what we're supposed to take is that's the fuel for all this anger later on, but... You know what differentiates them? What differentiates them is when he vampires out, Morbius actually looks kind of cool. He looks like the comic book. And I'd be mad, too, if I was Matt Smith, because... I swear to God, you know what he I think he looks like? Is one of the zombies from Sometimes They Come Back Again. <laughs> like, not even the good Sometimes They Come Back. My wife was getting so mad whenever Matt Smith would turn into a vampire. She's like, that looks so bad. Like, she was angry for how bad it looked. No, it's seriously a terrible design. It looks nothing like Morbius. It looks more like a zombie with rotting flesh. Yeah. But they get in this fight on the subway, and now they are intentionally evoking Lost Boys. Because Morbius is walking down the subway and you hear, Michael, Michael. And that's straight out of Lost Boys here. I, I wish I was watching Lost Boys. I'll just, I wish I was watching Lost Boys 2 or 3, in fact. <laughs> 2 is better than this, I'll give you that. Not 3, but 2. And they're going to these vampire references. And so, yes, I don't think it's a coincidence that they're evoking Lost Boys here. 
And I don't know that the action is plentiful enough or the production value is here. I mean, this is where we get the bone of being thrown. They fly down into the subway and kill cops and what have you. Like Milo kills the cops. Morbius, he doesn't want to do bad things. He tells us that every 10 minutes. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, Yeah, I, I feel like this is supposed to be what we've been waiting for. Is like all of this bad setup and all of this ridiculousness is so that we could get this fight down here in the tube. I guess maybe someone likes this Matrix-esque freeze frame fighting going on. But when we get down into the subway and, and Morbius starts like sensing, I don't know, stink lines from the subway yeah. like coming at him. Yeah. And, like, Which would be a lot, let's face it. <laughs> I had no idea what the hell was going on. I'm like... I thought we were at the climax of the film for one thing. And I'm like, well, if nothing else, this movie moved fast. (laughs) And then he starts sensing. I'm like, is he going to throw the other guy in front of the subway car? No, he's going to jump in front of the subway and commit suicide by being splat. No, he's (laughs) flying. (laughs) He's flying in front of the subway car. I lost it in the theater. Like I was cracking up, laughing out loud. Like this is so dumb looking. I don't understand. Like, yeah, they want some reason because he's a vampire and because this is a movie and and in our age, they got to be grounded and there's got to be some scientific reason. He can't just fly because he has bat DNA in him. So he rides stink lines of subways or something. (laughs) It is comical. I also just want to point out the subway didn't stop at the stop. So like, it's just like, it's like it's trying to run him over. I don't know. I just thought it was the express. (laughs) It could be. Yes. And I want to be on the express train. Let's get to the end of this film. Um, poor Martine. Like, God help her. We've been told that they have a romance or something. She's supposed to be a doctor, but she does look like she's just there in sexy nurse outfit waiting for him to, like, do her after he finishes injecting the serum. <laughs> I'm not going to be rewarded for asking this, but I'm going to ask anyway. Were these two already in a relationship or did we witness them fall in love through his vampirism? I don't know. Like, yeah, they kiss at one point. I'm like, I guess they're kissing because that's what heroes do in a cookie cutter superhero film. Like they fall in love with a girl and kiss. I have no idea why you need, like, really, this is the time we need heteronormative values in our film. Like, just move on. We don't need a love (laughs) sequence. I mean, I think what it is, is like he ate a sandwich, right? Like up to that point, like he's really emaciated. She tried to kiss him and like his jaw would break, but like he's ripped now. Like they make a whole like shirtless thing out of him. So like now she's swooning about all of that. But she wouldn't know that at first because she was put into a coma on the boat. (laughs) And then it took her several days to wake up from And now she's being pursued by Matt Smith and it has to like jump on a bus and we find out that Jared Leto is already there and he wants her help to create a new lab but has to go fight counterfeiters. Who came up with this genius plan? I looked up, this is the point where I'm like, who wrote this? And I just want to cite that this comes from the creative minds that brought us The Last Witch Hunter, God of (laughs) Egypt... Dracula Untold and Power Rangers. Okay, I haven't seen Dracula Untold. I'd watch all those other films, though, before this one. I've seen them, like, maybe not God of Egypt. Like, that was a hard one to get through, but... Yeah, yeah right? Be sure yet you mean that. Yeah, this scene where they're at a diner and these counterfeiters come in, I literally thought he's going after them to kill them because he needs blood and Morbius. He's only going to kill those bad guys if he's going to get blood. And yes, I'm right there with you, Stuart. I'm thinking George Floyd. I'm like, he was killed over Counterfeit 20. Like, they're going to do this? 
this for real? This needed to come out in 2019 before all of this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not only is he inventing COVID, but now he's breaking George Floyd's hand down in the subway. <laughs> I mean, it's so terrible. And then, okay, so you quote unquote won. You get a lab that prints money and somehow you're going to retrofit that to your needs of blood testing and creating whatever is that like you couldn't just get poison i guess you have to invent a poison that'll kill a vampire all i was thinking was dark man though you know like oh yes yes <laughs> the way that there's the timing of how long the blood lasts versus the timing of how long the plastic face lasted and finding this weird underground lab now i don't know why you need a centrifuge to counterfeit money but i guess that would be the only thing because i don't think you need a printing press <laughs> to test your blood i want to see the money that comes out of that machine <laughs> no it's not a centrifuge arnie it's an it's an industrial laminator like i reuse these when i worked at kinko's we use these giant laminators and repurposes it as a centrifuge and i don't yeah you say dark man i wish sam raimi was here i wish this was funny i wish this was tom hardy in the lobster tank like they're gonna try to take this seriously turning a laminator into a blood transfusion machine no right this is all acceptable if we're encouraged to laugh if we're saying wow what a dumb midnight movie this is funny then okay i'll go with this he doesn't even say just kidding he does do this this is where he does his line i am venom like that we saw in the trailer but he doesn't say just kidding because he's not kidding like this is supposed to be serious and it's jaw-dropping Apparently, that was an ad lib by Leto, which I just want to envision Leto buying a ticket for Venom. Yeah, I think Leto's talents would have leaned more heavily towards being in Venom. Like, I think that he is a prankster and wants to have fun, and he's been asked to be Dracula, and it's just not working for him. Yeah, so he invents this counterfeit lab and Martine just moves in. Like the cops raid her apartment and she's already moved her cat down into this like, I just want, this is where I want like the vampire rat to also <laughs> like have made friends with all the rats in New York's basement. Could be like Crypto, the Wonder Dog, like yeah, Superman's dog or the Bat-Hound. <laughs> I want to see the whole family. There's a whole tradition of superheroes with their super pets. Like, yeah, let's do that. I think we're going to review that movie later this year, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, but not with fangs. Like, this is the Dracula team working on the death cure down in the basement while Milo is going clubbing. And again, I should be loving, like, this crazy dance. Like, my favorite Friday the 13th is when Crispin Glover just, like, dances. Like, I wish this was more of the film. Like, I wish it was goofy. Like, it's not saving it, though, for me. Now I'm just annoyed by it. I'm like, this doesn't fit. Like, this goofy Matt Smith that's got confidence now. And He's not bad, but what can you do? No, it doesn't work. He obviously was hitting on a woman. Like, I think we're supposed to think that he's finally healthy enough. He feels healthy enough to go and do all the things he's fantasized about. But, again, he's been too sickly to do even though he's a millionaire that's been like cheating russian mafias out of millions anyway like of course he it basically sets up more loathsome people to be killed in a parking lot and then tyrese and rodriguez are gonna they finally look at video coverage now like they're like oh there's cctv here like you are the new york subways arnie you go to new york all the time there's got to be cameras all over that thing like these are fbi agents 
No wonder 9-11 happened. Wow. Well, I thought maybe they couldn't be photographed because they're vampires and photography mirrors. True. <laughs> like that would make sense if they looked at the footage and there was no one there. But these are living vampires, though. They have different rules. But again, I just want to point out that Tyrese is like accepting they're a vampire. He's like, how much can a vampire drink? Because there are this many pints in the body and this many bodies. So like it couldn't just be one person. Jared Leto couldn't be this thirsty <laughs> or he'd look like he did in House of Gucci. <laughs> Anyway, yes, this is also where Milo, for reasons, he knows where Martine and Morbius are. Like, we have many scenes, insert scenes of him spying on them as they're doing their rooftop flirtation, but he feels the need to draw Morbius to Dr. Nichols, who is still alive, moved to New York, and is still taking care of this child 25 years later. And why does he kill his adoptive father? I mean, I know it's because he's a bad guy and we just introduced a character, so we have to kill them. Because he loved Morbius more than him, apparently. And again, the gay undertones here, the the love triangle with Milo and Morbius and Martine and now with Nicholas, like, they are there. Yeah, I think they're there, but not enough to be interesting. I mean... I wish I did care about it in in a way, but like like this middle-aged man that he's still treating like the sickly boy in the beginning. I don't know why Jared Harris is still in this picture, but he is not in the picture anymore. He gets slashed in the stomach, and this is the lure for Jared Leto to come back into the picture and fight in the climax. Slashed in the stomach, but lives long enough to call Morbius and tell him what happened. And then quickly dies. Yeah, it's so cliche. Meanwhile, Milo is then using that opportunity to kill Martine or something. It's just, this is so bad. The writing of this is just so bad. It does make you think, the only defense I have is, clearly there was a whole other movie here, and they had to just cut it out and cut around it. But what would it be? Because this is so by the numbers cliche. Like, I can't imagine what creative stuff they had. Yeah, and and why it would have been preferable to get rid of it. I Yeah, it must have been catastrophically bad. Arnie will have to tell us when he watches all the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray he gets. <laughs> when we discuss Venom 3, I suppose I can dis- figure this out. Don't you mean Morbius 2? <laughs> but I'm thinking... That maybe because this was supposed to come out in 2020, that like it was going to have more universe ties to Spider-Man or something. That's why Spider-Man was in the background. But now that it's coming out after No Way Home, and keep in mind, they pushed this again. Maybe they had pushed it because they had to re-edit it now that we knew about this multiversal stuff. That's barely a factor, but you think that could have been going on throughout the movie? Yeah, there's going to be clues throughout that something was going on with another universe? There might have been more Michael Keaton. I certainly thought Michael Keaton was going to be the villain of this movie the way it was sold in the trailers. And that Michael Keaton hasn't even shown up yet is confounding to me because Morbius already went to prison, which is where he should encounter... Michael Keaton. (laughs) Yeah. And just to be clear, the SSU, like that Spider-Man still exists in the MCU, right? Like there is no established Peter Parker or Spider-Man in this, I'll just call it a Venomverse because that's what kicked this off. Yeah, that's the joke. I mean, save it. But yeah, they're all teaming up to fight a hero that's never going to show up. Like that's the the waiting for Godot (laughs) joke of all of this is like, you're going to just have the Sinister Six sitting around at a coffee bar waiting forever for Tom Holland to text you and say, I'm not coming. Oh my 
look at it, it's how it should have ended. I just picture the Sinister Six animated with Batman on one end and Superman on the other for how it should have ended. <laughs> anyway, so let's get to the end of this movie. Yeah, Martine is dead. Morbius drinks her blood to get some, you know, last minute energy drink to fight. The climax goes down to the lab where the little bats help hold Milo down and they can administer the poison. So can Morbius control bats? Is he like Aquaman for bats? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Why did Milo do that too then? They have the exact same powers. Maybe they just like him because he personally picked them out in Costa Rica. Yeah, Milo seems behind the curve on these powers, which makes it an unfair fight. If you want the hero to triumph, the villain should have more powers. Like because he's drinking more red, he should be stronger. And then the hero has to be smarter or something to come up with a way to do it. But Milo can't fly. Milo can't control bats. Milo is the weak one and Milo's the spurned one. Again, this is why I wondered if Morbius and Martine were having a relationship before because it seemed like Milo was hitting on Martine and saying they needed to go out. And so when he saw Morbius kiss Martine, was that supposed to be a big betrayal because those two weren't going out before? I'm not going to answer any of your questions because there's no answers. I'm just going to add more questions. Morbius was prepared to kill Milo and himself. He's got two poisons. Why doesn't he kill himself after he kills Milo? Like, why does he have a change of heart and he's just a living vampire now? Right. My only guess is that he can hear Martine waking up and she's a vampire too. So, hey, I guess it's cool. I was so confused with the Martine dying scene because Milo kills Martine and then Morbius comes and they kiss and you so clearly see blood go from Morbius's mouth into Martine's mouth. It's like dripping and they're focusing on that. And I'm like, okay, I've read Interview with a Vampire. This is how Martine becomes a vampire. Then Martine says, make it count. And so then Morbius feeds on her, and so we're supposed to be sad? Then what was the blood going into her mouth? I guess he's a living vampire. I guess she did die. Only at the last scene, I shit you not, at the very last scene, we just see a woman's face and the eyes open. And I go, is that Madam Web? Yeah, we're supposed to get some Madam Web movie after this, I think. I don't even know what that is. Another comic book I'm going to have to dig up. Like, less popular than Morbius. Why not? Imagine a blind psychic Aunt May. Okay. Sounds like a box office hit. Can't wait to Mm -hmm. do it in 2024. I'll take three. But no, I just, I literally didn't recognize Martine in that last shot. And I thought that they were doing a crossover. They just hired Madam Web's actress. And she is not Aunt May age. And so I, is that supposed to be Madam Web? And then it took me a beat and I'm like, okay, so Martine isn't dead. So that just means nothing to me. I just want to point out too, she didn't have a blood disease or anything. So her getting this shouldn't have the same impact. But we don't know that it did. All we know is her eyes opened. Okay. She's like that rat. We don't know what happened to the rat. (laughs) I hope she is rat girl. That would be great. Yeah, if Morbius did this so he could stay with Martine because she turned into a vampire too. Like, why aren't they hanging out during that post credit scene with Michael Keaton? Like, she is gone from the picture. I don't understand anything from this point because Morbius doesn't want to drink people's blood. He doesn't want to be a killer. Oh, until he wants to do that all at the end. Right. So, and he has an endless supply of artificial blood to drink. So I don't... But that's going to wear off. We've been told this whole movie with that Casio watch. Like, eventually that will not work anymore. Okay, maybe. But, like, all his science... Until- tested unproven <laughs> he 
He's a Nobel Prize winner, sir. <laughs> anyway, yes. So Michael Keaton blows in here for some kind of stinger. I had forgotten he was involved. Okay. <laughs> you go, Artie, then I'll go. <laughs> oh, my God. First of all, he was in the trailers. So why are you putting your end stinger scene in the trailers? I just don't have to stay for the credits, right? But then he materializes in prison. And he's cool with it. He's just like, I hope the food's better. Not, where's my daughter? Where's my wife? Where's the family? I was doing this all for. No, he's excited because they're going to let him go because they're like, we don't know who this guy is. Why is he here? Like, let's let him out. Like, no investigation. Where's Tyrese to investigate why he just showed up in a prison? Furthermore. Yes. Yes. I know where you're going. I'm with you. He built his vulture costume. Yes. Yes. He built that out of alien and Stark technology, yes. which does not exist <laughs> yes. in this universe. Why does he have the same outfit? Yes. I was, I was so, like, I was already mad throughout this film. Like, this just pissed me off. And again, Morbius, he's supposed to be the good guy, but now they're going to form the Sinister Six to go after a Spider-Man that maybe exists in this universe? But he says we need to get together to do some good. Like, are they teaming up with Spider-Man and Venom? But I don't believe he really means good as in good. Like, I've seen what Adrian Toomes does. Yeah, I, again, when they used the word Spider-Man, I was stunned. I was like, <laughs> I can't even, like, they could have said Strawberry Shortcake, Scooby-Doo, uh, any crossover, it would have been just as, I'm like, this is connected to that? Holy Toledo. Does he still know Peter Parker is Spider-Man? Because Doctor Stranger's spell was supposed to make everybody forget there was even a Peter Parker. And it was supposed to send people back to their own universes. So why did Michael Keaton get moved out of his home universe into another universe? Because that's what they need in order for this storyline to continue. We're going to just ignore whatever the MCU does next in Doctor Strange 2. Spider-Man exists in this universe. Like, I guess at some point Tom Holland is going to live in this universe. No. When that relationship with Marvel is done. It's so pathetic. It's just like you're waiting for the girlfriend to, to come that never will. Like, it's like Spider-Man will never show up, but they're going to build a super team and build spider traps and all of this stuff. It's just so pathetic. <laughs> Get over it. I mean, they could have easily fixed this. No. No, they couldn't have. First of all, if you left Venom in the MCU at the end of No Way Home, I don't know why you brought Venom into the MCU just to send him back again. But then if at the end of this one, you brought Morbius into the MCU, because as part of the deal with Marvel, Sony has agreed and Marvel has agreed that these Venom and Morbius movies matter to the MCU. But yet, the way they're doing it makes it matter less. And if you tie this to the MCU, worst MCU-tied movie ever. And I mean, awful. But I guess that leads to... Well, I think we're getting <laughs> to recommends then. Yeah. Jacob Stewart, is there any blood left in Morbius? <laughs> Jacob. Worst Marvel film ever. I thought the people posted the memes... You're hyperbolic. Yeah. After watching this, I had to sit down and really think about this. Is this the worst Marvel film? Hey, beware the dark water, Jacob. Beware the dark water. Oh, no, no, no. Man-Thing, definitely worse. Like, when I remembered Man-Thing, I'm like, okay, that's probably always going to be the worst. Like, because I was thinking, like, Howard the Duck, like, objectively, like, just technical-wise, probably a worst film. I'd watch that in a second before this because at least it's, like, so bad. It, it's kind of good at times. Like, there's some kind of enjoyment I could get out of this. This one, 
where my mind went is have we jumped the shark with comic book movies and by that like look this movie doesn't have enough creativity to jump a shark it kind of just runs into mm-hmm. it and falls yeah. over takes the shark dna maybe yeah. <laughs> it might glide over the shark in front of a subway <laughs> true i wish it did that i would have been cracking up if he flew over a shark but i went back to the 90s you know you had batman 89 with tim burton blows up comic book movies makes them a thing hollywood wants to do and they buy i'm not sure why i guess warner brothers owned all the dc stuff and marvel was a mess in the 90s almost going bankrupt but you got a lot of comic book properties the mask barbed wire spawn men in black judge dread that they were like let's buy all these up because comic book movies are a thing that might be popular now and we can make money and when i look at most of those even the bad ones even like barbed wire like look pam anderson covered in bubbles with machine guns that's kind of what you want in a barbed wire property spawn there's problems with it but like they go for like the big comic book stuff in hell and that and you look at the like things like the mask or men in black which were very marginalized comic books and they were blockbusters i don't know if the mask holds up i haven't seen that since theaters but that was a huge hit they took these more obscure properties judge dread like not a good film, but that fil- that's a huge blockbuster action film with huge sets and action pieces and all that. Like, the studio still cared, even though they were taking these unknown properties, trying to make real movies out of it. And I feel like now... We have this saturation with comic books. It's like, let, let's just, we're going to, Madam Web is going to get a movie for some reason. And Morbius is going to get one, but no creativity. And that's where I talk about jumping the shark. Like, I thought Marvel was going to do that with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, who wants a talking raccoon and a talking tree? And damn it, they made it one of the most popular things ever. Like, they found a way to do that. And I feel like this is just coasting off of the goodwill of Spider-Man, the MCU, the popularity of comic m- movies. That's why I ask, is this jumping the shark? and not in a technical way but just what it represents is this the worst marvel film because it feels so lazy it doesn't care about the characters it's just going to plug morbius's name into the mad lib of a comic book origin story there's nothing unique or fun here there's no tom hardy in a lobster cage there's no venom at a rave and i understand like if you view those venom films the way i view this morbius film then i understand why you don't like venom now like that at least had funny stuff that i could get into this there is nothing to grab onto. Like, so again, maybe not technical wise. And I, I'd watched this before Man Thing for sure. Corman's Fantastic Four, I'd probably watch that before this. I'd watch that first. But like this spiritually may be the worst Marvel film because it, it's just so lazy and just expects you to want this because it's got the Marvel logo at the beginning. Again, technically wise, I guess it's competent, but do not watch this. Do not reward Sony or Marvel or Jared Leto, anyone for being involved with this thing. Stay away. Strong, not recommend. Stuart. Yeah, it's a bad superhero film. And I just want to remind folks, they were all pretty bad before the MCU got its act together, before Christopher Nolan came into the DC. X-Men, come on, let's take it back to the year 2000. Brian Singer. Yes, okay, they were recommendable movies, but, you know, I feel like that was coming out of a period of aspiration without being able to deliver on what superhero... I mean, nobody goes back to those movies. Maybe the Tim Burton Batman movies. But by and large, I have to believe most people aren't ever jonesing for steel. You know, it's just like they were bad. They were bad movies and we pretended we liked them at the time because that was the best we knew we could get. But now what it is, is it's not the worst superhero movie of all time, but it is a stake to the heart of the MCU. Like you have a standard and this is not it. 
and it's embarrassing. But this is a Sony film. It doesn't matter. We saw the Marvel logo at the beginning of this. They said the word Spider-Man. But it's in association with Marvel. You can't blame Marvel for this. I'm not talking about the nerds that understand that. I'm talking about the people that are walking into this theater thinking this is a Marvel movie. Nobody thinks that, do they? Yes. Yes! The normal average viewer, my parents going to see this, just, uh, this is another MCU film. Correct. Yeah, you are very deep into the lore and the knowings and the distinctions. I know people that didn't know that Batman and Spider-Man weren't in different universes. Like, they go to see these things, they're not sophisticated about it. They just want want to see a good superhero movie and this will be a shock a stake to the heart that they could be delivered this level of bad like we just haven't seen this level of bad since the 90s and again i want to say the whole idea has been bad with the exception of the spider-verse which i really enjoyed and i did see the trailer for the new one looking forward to it the idea that Sony can make its sidequel Spider-Man movies is terrible to me. Like, Venom was bad, Venom 2 was bad, but at least that did have that mercurial performance by Tom Hardy. What Jacob was saying is that you could at least rubberneck at that car wreck and say, that was kind of trashy fun. And the problem here is Jared Leto has gone full Twilight. He thinks he is a romantic lead in a brooding, dark, sexy vampire story. And that is just abysmal. You know, like somewhere Mahershala Ali is, you know, sighing with relief. They know that the Blade reboot could never be as misguided as this project has. And I don't know why. It sounds like there was a lot of different creative hands working in here. But this should not exist. This is a timeline that should be erased. Get Loki in here, make it go away. No one wants to see this continue in any form. It's awful. What are you talking about? What I'm hearing is Leto's going to be in the Blade film, right? Him and Mahershala (laughs) Ali either teaming up or fighting each other. Hopefully Blade is killing him so we never have to go through this again. (laughs) Yeah, that sound you hear is of contracts being shredded. No, that will not happen. I know, you can't just carte blanche tell Sony, yes, we'll tie your films to the MCU, and then not have any say in the quality control of said films. (laughs) This is like Venom. We said this with Venom. It's a kind of superhero movie they don't seem to make anymore. They stopped making this movie in the 90s. Even down to the implied rape scene. It's like... This is Supergirl, Steel, Catwoman, bad. And... No. Name one that isn't funnier than this. Several of those lacked funny, too. I'd watch Quest for Peace before this thing. (laughs) The only thing I can think of that has been worse than this in recent memory, and I know Stewart's going to stomp his feet and say I'm wrong, is Fantastic Four 2015. People overreacted to that film. Nope, that had more ambition, even though it got cut of the film. Like, that director had an interesting vision. Did he? We will never know. We will never know. No, you see it. There's some body horror stuff you see. But I believe both suffer from the same thing. Some kind of interference that may have taken place after the fact. Was Morbius ever a good film? Was Morbius ever a competent film? Is a question for the ages. (laughs) But as it is, as it was released, this is a nonsense film that I would almost give this film not a recommend, but a pass. It would be a red arrow, but an understandable red arrow, if this was made 
for Sony's streaming platform, whatever that may be. I don't think they have one, which is why they have to deal with Netflix. But if this was made for streaming and nobody gave a shit... I thought that was Crackle. (laughs) (laughs) This is better than any movie I've ever seen made for Crackle. (laughs) That's the thing, is once you've seen Dead Trigger, (laughs) the scales all shift. (laughs) Of what that is. Yeah, it isn't the worst thing. You're right. People are overreacting if they're saying this is the worst of all time of anything. But it is a shock. Like, where is the standard of quality? Like, who was asleep on the job that let this go down the factory belt? Yeah, if you look at the producer's credits on this, you've got Avia Rod on here. Avia Rod who ushered Spider-Man to the screen with Sam Raimi. Maybe it's because Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige were too busy on a Spider-Man movie that this just happened. But please, please, somebody pull the plug on Madam Web. It has to not happen. (laughs) I mean, I was saying that before this film ever came out. (laughs) I am now the psychic Mr. Web who says that movie cannot be good. The SSU sucks. I mean, Venom, (laughs) I enjoy them, but I can't say they're good. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. No, Sony needs to focus on Miles Morales and that animated stuff. That is legit good. Like, put your money there. I go back to what I said at the top of this podcast. There's a lot of Spider-Men in the Marvel comics. Yeah, we don't have to fight Peter Parker. You could have Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider, Spider-Gwen, who lives in an alternate universe, Miles Morales, who lives in a different universe. If you must make Spider-Man money, pick another Spider-Man and go with it and just say, okay, we gave Peter Parker to the MCU But now we're going to a different Spider-Man series of movies with a totally new outfit. The way Steel was to Superman, bring in a new Spider-Man. I wish they were talking about souffles falling and all that in this film. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We need our Steel. I don't think anyone should say that. But you know what I'm saying is it's a different version of the same hero. So this movie... It not only steps on its own dick, but it steps on the MCU's dick when it brings in Michael Keaton and really (laughs) messes everything else up. It's it's a plasma red not recommend. All I can say is, it's not just us, because the movie rolls, and everybody stays for the end credits scene. And we see the two Michael Keaton scenes, and they still stick around because there's got to be something else. And finally, the lights came up, and I heard from behind me one other audience member just go... That sucked (laughs) in such a way that it sounded like a 12-year-old who didn't get what he wanted for Christmas, like he was heartbroken at Morbius. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think my wife was in this much pain during a movie since we saw House of Gucci with Jared Leto, like, (laughs) just begging for it to end. And this is, again, barely over 90 minutes when you take credits out. Yeah, I hope you guys had fun listening to this. It just isn't a fun sit. Like, it's not the kind of Brown Arrow. Like, we all recommended Catwoman. I just want to point that out. We all found Brown Arrow Entertainment. We're all saying Red Arrow. Please don't subject yourself to, if you do, hit the bar and make sure you get 10 of the vampire's licks or whatever the hell it's called. (laughs) Yeah, get blackout drunk before the film. So blackout drunk, you pass out and don't even make it into the theater. Right. 
Yeah, whatever you can do to protect yourself. Just watch <laughs> The Lost Boys and call it a day. Watch Lost Boys 3, like any of them before this thing. Or watch Fantastic <laughs> Beasts and Where to Find Them, because then you'll be ready for this Friday when we release our first Platinum show of spring 2022. Yep, so we finished off the gold-level Harry Potter films, moving on to the Platinum-level Fantastic Beasts films. But you can hear that for a Platinum-level donation to keep this show going and doing all of the theatrical releases Releases we're going to be doing like next week with Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I wish I was watching Sonic the Hedgehog 2 instead of Morbius. It does feel like an uptick, <laughs> however small. And I, I gave that first movie a pass, but I can't say that I want more. And if you want other movies better than Morbius to watch, we have two giveaways going on. Big movie. Not a geezer teaser? We got the new Chris Pine, Ben Foster action drama, The Contractor, that is in some theaters and new to streaming. Our friends at Paramount have given us five digital copies of that to give away. And all you have to do is subscribe to our In Focus newsletter. The subscription is at the homepage of nowplayingpodcast.com or join our Facebook group and if you are already in the group, you're already entered to win, then we're also giving away copies of Death on the Nile. That movie went to theaters. Yeah, I saw it. I went to a theater. I saw it. Yeah. Maybe we'll cover it one day. Well, it's from Oscar winner Kenneth Branagh, starring Gal Gadot, Letitia Wright, Russell Brand, and Tom Bateman. It just hit video, and thanks to our friends at 20th Century Studios, we have five blu-ray copies to give away of that physical media again just subscribe to our newsletter and join our facebook group if you do both you have two chances to win one of those giveaways we'll announce the contractor winners on april 10th and death on the nile winners on april 14th and to win one of the physical copies of death on the nile you must live within the continental u.s so thank you to 20th Century Studios and Paramount for that giveaway. And I also want to give a shout out to some of our patrons. Again, getting the bonus Harry Potter reviews and supporting our show so greatly. I want to thank DJ Hank Hammer, Joshua Straw, Darker Hue Studios, Simon Brennan, Dale Winters, Tom Janik, Sean Williams, Tommy Woodward, and Valencia Burns. Thank you to all of you for your pledge of $50 or more through our Patreon or our Podbean and getting perks like bonus podcasts, coffee mugs, t-shirts and such all available through our Patreon page. So we will be back on Friday with Fantastic Beasts and how to find them. None of those beasts happen to be Chilean bats because with great podcasts must also come great responsibility. It's all my fault. I drove Spider-Man away. Spider-Man was a hero. I just couldn't see it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the now-playing Spider-Man retrospective series. It's good to have you back, Spider-Man. Part of our Marvel Comics movie retrospective series. It's hip, it's now, it's wild, and how? Crawl on the World Wide Web to NowPlayingPodcast.com. In the archive section, you'll find more than 1,000 in-depth movie reviews from our panel of hosts. What are you waiting for? Chinese New Year? Go, go, go! 
We also have non-comic-based movie reviews, such as Star Trek, Rocky, Star Wars, James Bond, Middle Earth, Jurassic Park, Fast and Furious, and many more. There are bigger things happening here than me and you. Plus, we have individual movie reviews, such as Avatar, Titanic, E.T., Inception, Pulp Fiction, Apocalypse Now, Dr. Strangelove, and hundreds more. I am so loving this. Oh, me too. And come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com next Tuesday for another all-new movie review podcast. It came. Looks like just in the nick of time. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. I'm going. I'll be here when you get back. The links to our social media pages can be found at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Everybody needs help sometimes, Peter. Even Spider-Man. Now Playing is an independent podcast, 100% crowdfunded, thanks to listeners like you. Meat. I'll send you a nice box of Christmas meat. Best I can do. Get out of here. Become a Now Playing patron and you can get access to dozens of exclusive bonus podcasts. For a $10 monthly pledge, you can hear our host review Apocalypse Now, Real Genius, Taxi Driver, Con Air, and dozens more. You have money, right? I'm not very liquid right now. You can subscribe to get these bonus podcasts through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. It's not always about the money, Spider-Man. Now Playing's Spider-Man Retrospective Series is produced and edited by Arnie Carvalho. Misery, 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 that's what you've chosen. Associate produced by Jason Latham. No, I'm going to do my job, that's what I'm going to do. I I can't, you know, and not do my job. Now Playing Credit Narration by Brock. He's got a nice voice. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises or Columbia Pictures. Spider-Man and all that the Marvel Universe contains is the property and trademark of the Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. And I've never even seen his face. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. I missed the part where that's my problem. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2022. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. What are you, his lawyer? Get out of here. Let him sue me. Get rich like a normal person. Enough said. He was adopted by Nicholas. So is Nicholas as this Grecian... Is that what you call people of Greece? (laughs) Grecian? Not if you like Greasy. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this That's what it sounds like. Greco? I don't know. <laughs> gave him some cool euros. <laughs> yeah, Greece doesn't have any money, does it? Grecian. Don't, I think you were adding an extra syllable. <laughs> Grecian. <laughs>